When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, it's Laura Brown. In honour of Mental Health Awareness Month, this week we are resharing our episode featuring the inimitable Taraji P. Henson. In this episode, we talk about her new series on mental health and why she finds a stereotype of the strong black woman to be so dangerous. Now, more than ever, it is critical to reduce the stigma around mental health struggles and raise awareness. We hope you find this episode and Taraji's new series inspiring. And of course you do. It's Taraji P. Henson. There's some days when I just be like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to stay on the sofa, I'm going to drink my wine, and I'm going to eat my Cheetos. But I know that it's energy that I'm just letting run through me because I know that's not going to be me tomorrow. Welcome to Ladies First with Laura Brown. I'm Laura Brown, Editor-in-Chief of InStyle Magazine, and each week I'm talking to a legendary lady about what she does, how she does it, and what we can learn from her. Taraji P. Henson is a performer in her bones, but her work to destigmatize mental health issues, well, that's where her real power is. So I just want to say, Taraji, P for perfect, Henson, thanks for joining Ladies First, and you are a first lady in so many ways, and I think what I love about you, and so many do, is not only your ability and not only what you, what you create, but your absolute utter frankness, honesty, and drive. Thank you. <laughs> this, this is two days after the inauguration, so uh, the mood is, uh, is lifted, I think, generally. But this is, we're in January, we've been doing this since March. How's it been for you, buddy? <laughs> well, I, I think your question was going to be, um, when did you decide to just put the drink in? Well, that's all part and parcel. Two days ago. I had to make sure the future was looking bright. <laughs> Two days ago. So it's Friday and it's time. What was like your Tuesday? Oh, God, it just depends. Like, okay, because I keep red wine and I ran out of red wine. That's when I knew it was a problem. Then when I run out of the wine, okay, then it's like I have a drink machine. It's like the Keurig coffee machine. But instead of coffee in the pods, it's a drink. They have margarita. They have old-fashioned, which is my favorite. But old-fashioned isn't good for me because I've probably gained like five pounds just from old-fashioned. Well, look, there's worse things. But I actually remember, I think, receiving a text from you around about the time that your booze machine arrived. And the utter delight on your part and savage jealousy on mine. So are you gonna are you gonna fire it up tonight? I don't know if I'm gonna do that or if I want wine or I did when I was in for my 50th birthday. I I brought back some what's that beautiful uh, Casa Azul? That's tequila, right? That's tequila. When you were leading up to your birthday, what was your sort of attitude and what we how we like? How am I gonna I'm gonna celebrate this? How 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 am I gonna work up to it? Okay, so what happened was I was getting big. <laughs> I was gaining weight. I think I was going through a depression. I just didn't care. And I was eating everything. I was waking up with Cheetos stuck to my butt. I had Cheetos by the bed. I had. You can always see how I'm feeling. Look at my nightstand beside the bed. There's a bunch of shit 
on it, then clearly she's going through some. And my closet. If my closet is a mess, and right now there's no reason to be a mess. Where are we going? So you were in, so you were Cheetosing. I was Cheetosing. I was gummy bearing. I was doing it all. And so 50, and but 50 was coming. And I was like, all right, now you better pull it together because you want to greet 50 and be like, yes, instead of 50 happening to you. Otherwise, you're going to feel old, you're going to feel fat, and you're going to continue to seep down into the black hole. So that's when I called my trainer and I was like, we got 30 days to get it together. And in that midst of the 30 came the Meg the Stallion video, the AMA Awards, all of that stuff came because I think I shifted my energy. Wow. I honestly believe because I shifted my energy, that's how I welcomed that stuff because I was in the welcoming place, I guess. I don't know. Do you recognize it and then make a conscious decision or is it hard sometimes? I have a therapist, so I, she gives me exercises and things that I can do. And then there's some days when I just be like, I want to be dark. I don't give a shit. I'm going to stay on the sofa. I'm going to drink my wine and I'm going to eat my Cheetos. But I know that it's energy that I'm just letting run through me because I know that's not going to be me tomorrow. I just have to be honest with myself. Very honest. But how do you feel today? Don't force yourself to do something if you don't feel like it. How's your motivation been with work? And um, I, know, look, I know you've actually been super prodigious and we'll, we'll get into that. But like, has there been days where you're just like, I can't do it. Like, I'm not hungry for it. I'm not. I have no acting things right in front of me. So I actually, I haven't acted in almost a year. I was going to say, do you feel weird? I feel fucking crazy. And all everybody got movies coming out. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Where are my movies? I got no movies. Because, ah! you know, usually I have movies. You have movies. And carpets. I'm watching all these people have fun and do these press tours and junkets. And I'm like, I have nothing. But it's okay because I think this time is absolutely about that because if the the circumstances didn't sit me down I wouldn't I haven't enjoyed my house here in California in over six years I'm doing things to my house now and I needed this moment honestly and I really because I was driving myself crazy and that'll make me low like they don't want you you'll never work again in this it's, it's but you like your mind will play tricks on you like that in the wee hours tonight you know like two three the bitching hour and um, <laughs> that's when I usually wake up crazy um I had to talk myself down and it's like you know at first I resented it but if you resent you don't grow you have to accept and that's the biggest thing I've learned my biggest lesson throughout this entire pandemic has been acceptance patience and gratitude but you know what one of the marvelous things about you too is you're not jaded you got all of this going on right but you have never seemed less than appreciative what's kept that little fire in you of being happy to be there I think it's the little girl in me, the little girl that dreamt that I hope one day, I hope one day, I wish, I hope, because I did a lot of wishing and hoping. And God got sick of me and was like, let her in, Jesus Christ, God, get her out of here. And you also, like I Amanda, mean, this is an oft-told legend story. You're, you're coming to Hollywood, you know, at 26, single mom, 700 bucks, right? 700? Um, 700. So you've arrived as a young woman and a mom 
It wasn't about networking and meeting people. It was about proving my work, you know, because I often heard, oh, girl, you got to go out and to the clubs and stuff and network. And it's like, well, I have a kid, so that's not going to work. I knew I had talent. I was trained and I studied the craft of acting. So there was nothing that you couldn't put in front of me that I couldn't do. Right. I was on a mission. I didn't have time to party and club and do all that other stuff. I wanted to be taken seriously. No one's being taken seriously at a club. <laughs> no, the club is not the center. Listen, I'm trying to get drunk. I don't want to hear you. The music's too loud. Shut up. Pass the joint. I don't know. But I'm not trying to do no damn business. <laughs> the club is not the center of gravitas. Did you ever take your son on auditions? I had to sometimes. He was a very well-behaved kid because he had no choice. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, he was a well-behaved kid. He understood what I was doing because I talked to him and told him, this is my dream and I'm out. He understood step for step. It was just me and him. So he knew what I was trying to do. So he would just go and sit and wait. And when I come out, he'd be like, Mom, how did it go? And I remember, I can't remember who it was, but they were trying to hit on me coming through the door. And I think Marcel was like nine years old. And he didn't, he wasn't, the guy wasn't overt, but he made a little pass. And I was like, hey, whatever. And I kept walking. And Marcel was like, who's that clown? <laughs> just never let him leave your side. He could just be your filter forever. Exactly. What was the first tangible success to you? But also what was it to him? Buying my first house. That's when I felt like, okay, I made it. Because the way I did it was I didn't wait until I booked my first series regular gig. It's a waiting period when you first come into that kind of money. And it wasn't a lot. It, but, but, you know, it was more than I had ever seen on one paycheck at a time. Every week I was like, what? <laughs> wow. But I didn't go crazy because the fear is being broke again. So it was like I got the show. And the first thing I needed was a car because the day that I had to go and test for studio network, my car wouldn't start. And I sat there and I was like, you are funny. I said, really, this is what you do to me. And so then I had to get in the cab. This is, this is LA cabs. You just don't go. Boop, boop, stand. I don't know how to catch a cab in LA. I got there in the nick of time. And I had to calm myself down. I, my anxiety was, I was beside myself, but I had to calm myself down. And John Ham, John Ham, John Ham was there and he was, he was testing for studio and network at the same time as I was for his part in the same show. And he saw me very nervous and he put his hand and we started talking. And I was like, oh, my God, my car broke down. He was like, but you made it. You're here, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, we both booked the gig. Then they had the nerve to make us partners on the show towards the end. They did? <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, I had no idea of your, your ham history. Yes, my ham history. Mm -hmm. So what, <laughs> what, does, what does success mean to you now? Success to me is not even money. It's uh, my mental state is, you know, my health. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because how, uh, how, how much has that been challenged in the past, obviously, you came off a, you came off, a, God, how many, cook, six, six years on, on Empire, and then you kind of, you know, you're doing, you're doing move, movies here, and, you know, here and there. And then I stopped. And then and you stopped. Nothing. <laughs> but how does it feel being in that kind of, because when you, you, you at the top of your power is just swaggering, you know, and yeah, how does it feel to have that kind of stop and then you're like, okay, six now weeks. what? 
Well, one thing about me is you can't keep a good woman down, and I always come back. No, but just as a day, it's an archetype you played for a long time. Well, it does, it yeah. does, but then that's when I have to tap into everything happens for a reason, because the things that I have coming, once this pandemic is over, or we get back to some sort of normalcy, not sure all the way back to normal. I know that I'm going to be busy. I won't have a moment to play in my salon. So I have to shift my thinking and remind myself to take advantage of this time. Cookie's lying dormant. Cookie's like cookie dough right now. She's like- retired and we're coming up upon on the other things. I only have the window to be the character. Then I have to get back to me. I got my own issues. I don't want the character's issues and mine all the time. So even on set, I could be in a scene where I am bawling, snot, everything. And they yell cut. And I'll be like, girl, okay, so what was they saying? Hand me a tissue. So what was they saying? And then I have to go right back in and I have to match the cut. But I have a, I swear to you, I, there are days, there were some days where I just didn't, I was like, I don't feel like being cookie today. I don't have it. I would come on set like this. And they would be like the director, poor director. They'd be like, so I'm like, can you just give me a minute? All right. When you yell action, trust me, she going to show up right now. I can't. She's a lot. She's I'm not a gonna... lot. She's a lot. And I literally would walk through the rehearsals because I can't give you all of that. I have to reserve me. <laughs> do you become like antisocial or do you have like a day where you just don't really want to return a text or like how do you refill yourself? Okay. So like I told my mom, she's like, you didn't call you. I say, mom, you have to understand. I have a career where I talk a lot. I, I talk a lot. And you'll be surprised at how much I can't stand to hear my voice. Like I can't watch my show, Peace of Mind, because that's Taraji. I don't like the way I sound. It's hard. You want to torture me, strap me down in a room, lock me up and make me watch and listen to myself be myself. I can watch me play characters because it's a, it's a departure from me, but I will not sit and watch any interviews that I do with Jimmy Kimmel, Fallon, all the Jimmys, I won't. There is a, a grace or a relief in knowing what your limitations are. And that's and embracing your limitations. I think we're all, you know, well, women, we can do this. And of course we can. But there is, there is something to be said for like, I actually can't today. Or I don't want to today. And identifying that in yourself. And for me, you know, being a black woman, you know, we took on that phrase, strong black woman, which is very dangerous. It's very dangerous. It dehumanizes us. And I, I understand why we took that on, black women being the bottom of the totem pole, never being seen. I get it. I understand. But it's when others take on and they go, yes, yeah, strong black woman. And then it dismisses us. She's a strong black woman. Then if my child or somebody I know is gunned down in the streets, I'm supposed to be strong through that. I'm not allowed to be angry. I'm not allowed to be pissed off and say, burn this bitch down. I can't say that because I'm you've taken everything from me. I'm not allowed to feel that. I'm just supposed to be strong through that. It's not tenable. And it's not, you're not, you're not an archetype. I'm not a fairy. I hear the black girl magic. I get it. It's sweet. But baby, I'm not a fairy. I don't have magic dust. I remember when I was introduced. At Howard University, you know, HBCU, Black Pride, you know, strong Black woman. And I, for so many years, kept, and I was coping. And how I was coping was dysfunctional. And what you do is you try to be strong as long as you can until you smack a wall. I think you should uh, just walk around. Whenever we get to see people again, just go up to people and go, hey, nice to see you. I'm not a fairy. <laughs> I'm going to get a T-shirt. I'm going to make a T-shirt. 
Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to Ladies First with me, Laura Brown. This week I'm catching up with legendary, gorgeous, sparkling spark plug, Taraji P. Henson. I want to talk about peace of mind because as mental health is a huge priority of yours, uh, you started a foundation in memory of your father, and I uh, have done incredible work on that. But tell me about the how Peace of Mind came about. Okay, so we made a big splash on the mental health scene when we launched the foundation, right? And, and the feedback and the people that were being uh, positively affected by it, you know, then the pandemic hit. And it was like, oh my God, wow, this is a, what do we do? And then I, at one point, was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to continue on with this foundation because we had exhausted all of our money on our convention because we had to make a big splash. So the convention was very important. That's what got us the notoriety to get me before Congress. Yeah. Then it was time to like raise money. Nobody's bringing no money. Nobody's, you know, you think, don't you see what I'm doing? I'm important. Give me your money. And it's not that easy. You know, a lot of it was my money footing the bill, you know, and then the pandemic hit and then we started the virtual fundraiser for free therapy and that took off and it hasn't stopped. Now the show was already something we were working on pre pandemic and it just was a situation where everything lined up and it was perfect timing. And Facebook was like, we want to get this going now because the suffering was, was, was it's a lot. so dark. Yeah. It's oh so my dark. God. Yeah. And so they pushed it through and ramped it, amped it up, and we got it together really quick. And we did eight episodes. They're all in the can now. They're, we're about to, the last one is coming Monday. It is. It's up there already. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The logic behind the show was yes, the, the foundation is doing great and successful, but how do we go beyond that? How do we get to more people, more eyeballs? Because there are more people out there that need it. And we love the idea of Facebook because most people can't afford therapy. You you got to think about, well, should I buy this meal? Should I spend $300 on groceries or $300 on my mental health? It's a lot. So we felt like Facebook was a great home for it because Facebook is free. It is. And everybody's on it. And everybody's on it. And you get to get all of these incredible tools for what you might be going through. Not only that, the show lives on. So you watch the show, then people go into the chat and they talk. They have a place to, to know that they're not alone. We have a resource guide that will, if you have problems with finding a um, culturally competent therapist, we have a whole resource guide where we will help you. Like, so it's just not a talk show. Like it's level to it. <laughs> it is a, it is a, a huge thing to be a medical health advocate, but then as an, you are interviewing people, have you always had an ability to do that? But how did you have to get yourself into that? Okay, I'm going to talk to this person and about this thing and do it well and practically. Well, I'm a therapist. Like I'm literally my best friend and my and myself. We are patients. <laughs> like I suffer from anxiety and depression, just like 
millions of the audience members that are watching. So I don't feel like I'm sitting in a higher seat. I feel like I'm in the audience learning along with the audience. I'm just the person chose to ask the questions, but. But that's what I mean, but you still have to ask in a certain way. And then... I ask because I want to know. I'm asking because it's important and people need to know. <laughs> what are you the most confident in, in the way that you relate to people publicly? And what are you the least confident in, be it in a performance or as a host or? Least confident? Probably singing <laughs> because I don't do it often. For me, I have to vocalize. I have to train. I have to warm up the old <coughs> pipes, you know. So if it, it's just singing, everything else, I, if it's me, my personality, that's just who I am. I, I can only be me. And I'm very confident in who I am. When do you want to act again? When, what are you th- looking to do? Or is there a... Now. The what? I want to act now. I have... Where's my... What, yeah, what are you looking at? What's the... Well, see, I bought this. I need randomly. I come in here and go action. Just put it down. And it helps. Did you do that before you get up in the morning? Just whenever I come in here and I gotta do it. What would you like to do if you had like your druthers after this? Is there something you're looking at? I want to fucking laugh. I want to make you laugh until you piss your pants. I want to be on a show or a movie. This shit is so funny that you break character. Remember Carol Burnett? Ooh, I loved it. I lived to watch the, for them to break character. What's been making you laugh through all of this? I can't watch heavy stuff. Like I tried to watch Your Honor. Yeah, I've gotten through one of those. That's dark. I can't. I loved Ma Rainey. I loved it because I'm a big theater person. So that was just amazing. And oh God, it was just so good. And just seeing Chadwick just give it his all. He's all, absolute all. Any black person that comes from theater and they get a chance to do August Wilson, they gonna transcend because that's our Shakespeare. Yeah, right. You're right. Tell me about actually the two days after the inauguration. Uh, Howard University alum Kamala Harris. Do you know her? We've met, but I don't know her. Kamala, first black woman, first South, South Asian woman. How does that feel? How does that feel? I posted it the other day with her walking in her chucks, and it's like, ladies, wear your shoes because glass is everywhere. <laughs> that touched me deep to my soul. That touched me to my soul. I mean, we needed it. I just feel a big sense of, we got class back in the White House. <laughs> to see a Black woman there, just because she earned the right to be there, because she's qualified to be there, there's no song and dance about it. It's just, is what it is. I just know, I think this is, is part of this big cultural shift where that will hopefully become a given. Just a given. Not something that's talked about and something that, that's unusual. Not the best person for the job. We don't care what's down there. I really don't. Can you run this country and make me feel safe? Like, <laughs> Tell me about how you learned to own your ability and what you were paid and in terms of roles you've taken that you've had learned to advocate for yourself? It wasn't until Benjamin Button, actually, because I had started making my way. You know, when you're first starting, you have to build up to a quote. Yes. So me and my team felt like we had finally gotten to this place where I could ask for half a million. That's all we were asking for. Right. Couldn't get it. And, you know, I don't know exactly how much Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett, 
But I, I'm sure they got whatever that quote, which was way more than what I would probably see in my lifetime, because they're not paying actors that much anymore. Um, to Brian Reynolds for Deadpool. But you don't hear a lot of $20 million quotes anymore. But back, but at this time that was happening. And rightfully so. I'm not saying they shouldn't have paid those um Kate and Brad what they deserve. They deserve that. Okay. Because when this comes out, people are coming because of Brad. And they're going to discover me. I'm bringing a certain amount to the to the seat too. And I felt like what I was asking at that time in my career was it was was fair, was fair to the ticket sales that I would contribute to this big film. Wouldn't do it. They did one hundred thousand dollars of what they offered right away, and then we, were, we I was gutted for the whole. Wow. When it was all said and done, I got one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, but. I had to swallow my pride, baby. Right. And and I know people go, 150, that's a lot of money. Well, let me just break it down to you. Yeah, do, because it's important people I'm know. I'm break it down to you because yeah. I don't want people to ever think that I'm ungrateful because that is not me. 150,000. Uncle Sam is going to take 50% of that. So now you're left with what? 75,000. Now, before Uncle Sam takes the money, I have to pay my team before taxes. 30%. So once Uncle Sam takes his 75, then I got another 30 that's coming off of that 75. So I may have made 40,000. I have a child. He has tuition because I didn't drive fancy cars and get the biggest house. I got a nice, modest house. And I got a car that will get us from A to B that I like that was nice because my money was in my son's education. His tuition was 30000 a year. So that's his tuition, basically. And I had to be down there for like three, four months and, and, and lived in the embassy suites with people that were displaced from their homes because of Katrina. Now, listen, they do give you an allowance to find somewhere to live. But remember, I had already did the math. And I was like, so do I take this? $10,000 and go blow it on somewhere to live momentarily. See, single mama, I got to I gotta be thinking on my feet. Mm-hmm. So I decided I opted out of finding my own place to live. I kept that allowance in my pocket and I used it and I just stayed at Embassy Suites, which was a fraction of the cost of what it would have cost if I got it a fancy, you know, no. I just wasn't there in my career yet. Right. Because they didn't see my value yet. So I had to prove that. I had to swallow my pride. And I had to go in and I had to kill that role. Which you did and, and received nomination for it in the end. But you didn't know that at the start. So you did have to take, you had to take that swing. And how, obviously, in the, in the years since and, and as, as you've consolidated yourself, how do you uh, negotiate now or advocate for yourself now? That moment made me start standing up for myself. Because I was, this is ridiculous. And then Cookie, when I portrayed Cookie, that now I now you gonna get my money because I've proven myself. This is the biggest show you've ever had. I mean, you know, in a long time or whatever. We overseas now. <laughs> you gotta get your money. <sighs> what a town! What a town! <laughs> what a town! Okay, ten first. You ready? The first time you discovered therapy. Oh, I would have to say about four years ago. Not discovered it, but actually started going. How did it feel when you first started going? Did it feel just so strange? I felt strange at first because I I hadn't found my therapist. And I felt like it ain't working, but 
it doesn't work if you don't work it. And what I mean by that is that finding a therapist is just like finding a your significant other. You keep going until you hit the jackpot. <laughs> exactly. And they might be more consistent. Uh, I think you've already answered this, but maybe you have a different first time you owned your shit. I had to since I was a kid because my, my, the parents I have. Right. You had to pick yourself up all, all the time. Had to. I had to own it all. Well, you know, when you come from the hood, there's no fantasy. There's no, it, it is, it's real time. It's real in the hood. And so, so I come from that. So I had to own it. This is DNA. Okay. First breakout role to you were your first role where you felt in your bones. I would have to say hustle and flow. I knew we were doing something special. I didn't realize how special until we got to Utah. And we are this hour night to preview our film and it's 1500 uh, seats standing room only. And they are all ages, all walks of life, white hair, pepper, salt and pepper. Whoop that trick came on. You know, I'm in the movie and I'm watching it. And then the song comes on and I look around and there are fists in the air. All everybody. I'm looking around and I'm like, what the fuck have we done? Wow. You gotta remember, no one in Hollywood wanted to touch that film. A black pimp with a one of the holes being white. No, 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 no. Going to Utah, no one knew who I was. I'm on the plane. All I heard on the plane, packed, going from LA. To Utah, hustle and flow. Did you hear about hustle and flow? Everybody's talking about hustle and flow. I'm on the my heart is pounding. I want to jump out of my skin and go, I'm in the movie. They didn't even know it was me. I mean, who was I at the time, you know? Oh, okay. First, <laughs> first favorite of uh, memory from the set of Empire. First or favorite memory from the set of Empire. When I had a um well, all those times cookie slapped bitches, but <laughs> I guess on a personal note, I had a, a a child from Make-A-Wish and she wanted to meet me. And that, I had never had a Make-A-Wish. I mean, you know, that's huge for someone not knowing if they're going to live or make it or whatever to say, I want to meet this person. Yeah. And the joy, the joy. That's when I go, see, that's why I know what I'm doing is important. And it's bigger than me. <laughs> Okay. So, <laughs> it's it's been a long week and now you got me in my feelings. Okay. A cookie outfit that you'd wear in real life. I have a lot of them. Yeah. What's your favorite? I have a lot of her Chanel jewelry because I collect it. I didn't keep all of it. Like the trendy stuff, I didn't keep. Stuff that you you wouldn't know, you couldn't remember if cookie wore it or not. I can't like those black Chanel velour uh leggings. When in doubt, you just hit your clapper and put on your black Chanel leggings and go, welcome to me. Okay, first fan interaction that you remember, first like time a fan came up to you where you realized that you were known. If they used to call me that girl from Baby Boy. They go, that girl from Baby Boy. And I'm trying to think when I started becoming known as Taraji P. Henson. Taraji P. Henson, that's Taraji P. Henson. I don't remember. I have a good friend of mine. She lives in Dallas. She called me the other day. She's an educator. She said, I found, I got the first one. I said, what you talking about? She said, the first Taraji, they're getting ready to come out the woodworks, an uh, older Taraji, someone that's age now. Because I had been getting DMs all my career. I named my daughter after you. I went, Where are these babies? Oh, but they're grown now. They're grown. Oh. I said, here it comes. They're coming now. 
Now you're going to understand why I put the P in there. Because I knew a lot of people was going to sign naming their kids Siraj. And I didn't want to be confused. That is so <laughs> painful, for prudent. And they have a Taraji army that you've just made. They're going to come. Right, exactly. And they can exactly. carry you when you're old and tired. Okay. <laughs> First thing you look for in a script. The story. It has to start. be a good, Yeah, it's got to be a good story because I the character could be amazing. But if you don't have, if it, it's not going to hold my attention past page 10. Nine times out of 10, it's not a good story. And there are a lot of scripts that I haven't read past page 10. And I won't because I don't have that kind of time. All right. We've done this at the beginning, but just your, your, your gut reaction. First drink you order. Probably tequila. Tequila with lime and a little splash of agave. Keep it clean. <sighs> Keep it gorgeous. Okay. First fashion splurge. Um, I think it was Robert, it was shoes. I'm a shoe girl. And before I even got into purses, I could afford the shoe because, you know, they go on sale. Some of them purses. <laughs> so, but it was shoes. It was a Roberto Cavalli I bought. It was a pair of, they were Robert, Roberto Cavalli snake wrap around all up the leg sandal. A Giuseppe Zanotti boot. I'll never forget because I held on to them for a long time. Okay, this is the last one. First thing you'll do when this is all done, this pandemic is over. Go on a vacation. Go fly somewhere. Fly. Where would you go? Tanzania. I'm actually even looking at a show that I can host over there. I want to go to New Zealand and Australia because I might not come back. Um, and um, <laughs> I need to go. For my 50th, what I really wanted to do was rent a yacht and a visa and travel and pull up to the clubs on a yacht. That was my plan. And then, so I have to, I have to do that. You did find a yacht though. But it was in Mexico. Like yeah. I want to, you know, I want to pull up. You can't pull up to clubs in your yacht in Mexico. Well, I mean, you aren't trying to pull up to a club in a pandemic either. You will get your pull up to the club in Ibiza. You will. I hope I'm not 70, but I don't give a shit. I'm pulling up. You got my table ready, baby. You got my thousand dollar champagne. Listen, I want old fashioned because at that point, I'm not going to care. <laughs> well, you got 20 years until you don't have to give a shit. That's true. I have a feeling I'm not going to be that. I have a feeling I'm going to be that 70 year old woman like, that's 70? Yes, bitch, move. <laughs> look at you. Look at this skin. Look at this face. Look at this, like, look at these brows. Look at these cheekbones. Look at these cheeks. Look at these lips. Taraji P. Hansen, Taraji P. for perfect princess, Petunia. Um, <laughs> you're, you're the best. You're loved. Thank you so much. This has been Ladies First with Laura Brown. We can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Savarese, Danielle Roth, Anne Ford, Anne Kane, and Erica Wong. And thanks to Brian Anstey, Molly Stout, and Haley Mason at InStyle. You can find out more at InStyle.com. Find us on Instagram at InStyle Magazine, on Twitter at InStyle, and you can find me on Insta and Twitter at LauraBrown99. Mm-hmm.